It's Thursday, April 9th, and I am calling Bob to check in, see how he's doing, and to exchange one good thing each. And then we're going to be talking a little bit about privacy as we gracefully transition into part two of this mini-series, No Place to Hide, which releases on Monday. You should know that in today's episode, there are some references to domestic violence and abuse, which may be difficult to hear. Okay, let's call Bob. Hello. Hi, Bob. It's Thursday. How are you? I'm good, Aaliyah. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. It's, you know, it's been raining here for the last few days, so it's just sort of like, it's a little sad around here, but that's okay. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that going around. I think you're right. I think you're right. But I'm glad to be calling you and exchanging a couple of good things, talking about privacy in advance of the release of part two of No Place to Hide next week. But before we get to all that, before we get to all that, cart before the horse here. Uh, Bob, do you have a good thing? I do, but I'm stealing my good thing from our voicemail line because we got this amazing phone call from Ireland. First of all, I'm sure you're, you understand how much it means to me that we have listeners in Ireland, but we have <laughs> Julie here who's telling us how she is getting through her day and it's just great. Hi, my name is Julie and I'm calling from the sun-drenched island of Ireland today at least. Um, and our, my good thing is that the day after they announced the lockdown here, my husband went out and bought three bird feeders. And they're just fantastic. It's such a wonderful thing in my day when I get tired of looking at a computer screen or watching TV to be able to look outside and see the birds at the feeder and, you know, just have that connection with nature and feel like you're giving something back to the environment even when you're trapped inside. Thanks so much for your podcast. It's really helping uh, with this whole situation. And I wish you both the best. Bye. Oh, my gosh. Bob, I love this. I'm also thrilled for you personally that we definitely have a listener, at least one, in Ireland. <laughs> but also, <laughs> this is so sweet. I, I love this, Julie. I love this bird feeder idea. I love this this idea of, of having something in nature to focus on with all of this chaos happening in the world. It's really, really sweet. I Where I am right now is the top floor of a building. I sometimes refer to it as the treehouse, my apartment <laughs> here. And there are lots of birds uh, that take up residence attached to my window air conditioner, <laughs> let alone the tree near me. And I will say they are singing up a storm right now. And it is one of the signs that, you know, life goes on, even while us humans are toiling with this problem. So it's nice to, and I love the sound of birds. I do too. I do too. We have a bunch of hummingbirds that live right outside our bedroom window. And I watch them sometimes during the day when I come in here to take a break. And it is just the most mesmerizing, delightful experience. They just sort of buzz around. I love it. Birds are God's soundtrack for spring. And <laughs> it, we, would, we would miss the whole season without them, I think. I think you're right. Okay, Bob, I've got a good thing for you. Are you ready? I am. So I don't even have to ask you today if you know who this person is, because I know that you know who this person is, because we're both very big fans of this person. Bob, can you guess who I might be talking about? I'm going to give you a hint. She's a singer who we both have a lot of love and respect for. And she's involved in a podcast, which is probably <sighs> my favorite podcast that I've, I've binged on in the last couple of months. Yes, you guessed it. 
Dolly Parton herself. And yes, the podcast you're referring to is Dolly Parton's America, which is great. We are not being paid to say this. It's just a great podcast. Everyone should listen. Um, Okay, Bob, my good thing. So (laughs) joining the ranks of celebrities who are just giving us daily gifts in this time of sadness and darkness and uncertainty, Dolly Parton is reading us bedtime stories from her bed. <laughs> She's just like, it's so sweet. So it's on, this is on YouTube. It's called, it's a series called Good Night with Dolly. And um, in the first episode, Dolly is reading The Little Engine That Could, which I don't know about you, Bob, that was one of my favorite books growing up. I still have a copy that my mom gave me when I graduated from college. Do you really? I do. <laughs> That's really sweet. <laughs> I love this. Well, it's <clears throat> amazing you brought that up today. Yeah. <laughs> is it? I didn't I know that was going to come up. Yeah, that's my favorite childhood <laughs> by, by far. Oh. The message is the best message ever. It is. I completely agree. And Dolly is here reading it to you, Bob. Bob, I think this is what you need to do when we get off the phone. You just need to go listen to Dolly. She's sitting in her bed in some like a matching jammies set. Hello, I'm Dolly Parton, the book lady from the Imagination Library, and I'm going to be reading a very special book today. This is called The Little Engine That Could. This book is so special, it's celebrating its 90th anniversary. It was written by Waddy Piper. I highly recommend it. So yeah, Bob, that's my good thing. Dolly Parton reading us bedtime stories for the foreseeable future. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's a very good thing. Although I'll be happy when we don't have to talk about people reading bedtime stories over YouTube any, anymore. Same. I'll be happy when that's just like old news, you know. Uh, okay. Now, Bob, I want to take us into a quick conversation about privacy because as you, I know, are well aware, <laughs> next week on Monday, we are launching the first episode of the second part of our privacy mini series with Intel called No Place to Hide. And As I mentioned, I think on Monday of this week, I've been thinking a lot about privacy in the context of COVID and in the context more specifically of people who are stuck in abusive relationships and can't get out because of these stay-at-home orders. This can be a very, very dangerous time for people. I actually read a stark New York Times story recently where the lead of the story said the most dangerous place for a woman in the world is at home. Mm. which is a stark reminder of just how many people, and of course it's not just women, anyone, children, Mm -hmm. men, Mm -hmm. anyone, can face violence at home. um, And we're already in a pressure-packed situation stuck in close quarters anyway. Um, But if if your situation is already bad, this can only make it worse. So a group from Duke University reached out to me a couple of weeks ago, and we started a project to try to figure out how we can examine the consequences of technology in the age of coronavirus and with the issues of of domestic violence. Uh, And as part of that, we've been reaching out to some experts. And so I talked to Rachel Gibson, who is the Senior Technology Safety Specialist at the National Network to End Domestic Violence. And she had a lot to say about this. Survivors are already living in a dangerous situation, and um, this this, uh, pandemic kind of uh, elevates that. Yeah. I mean, this is exactly what I've been thinking about and wondering about, Bob, is like, you know, what can we do? What can we do for survivors who are already living, like Rachel said, in these dangerous situations, but now with this pandemic that elevates that that danger and traps them in so many ways? Like, what what can we do? What can we do about this? How can we help? Yeah, think about how hard it would be to 
make a phone call to a, a helpline, for example, you know, when the person who you were running away from is, you know, one wall away from you, or even to use a computer where somebody could look over your shoulder and see that you're on a website and that might just set off some violence. So uh, there's a lot of tension there. Now, one of the points Rachel made to me, you know, you hear all the time, well, why don't you just leave? And that's a question that this whole group of people who are, are advocates has have been trying to beat back for a long time, the why don't you just leave concept. Mm. One of the things about coronavirus is I think it makes clear how absurd that question is, you know, quite literally and hopefully forevermore. Why don't you just leave? Is it's really hard. One of the things that we hear people say quite often is why don't they just leave? And in less pandemic times, it's really hard. When a survivor chooses to leave, that could escalate the violence in their life. Leaving is one of the most dangerous times for a survivor. So when you add that leaving is the most dangerous time, one of the most dangerous times for a survivor and a pandemic onto that, the amount of stress and trauma that survivors probably are facing is gonna, gonna, um, gonna go up tenfold. Yeah. And the amount of stress and trauma that these survivors are going through now with the context of COVID is just increasing like exponentially. But Rachel also had some advice on how to help, how you can help listening. Uh, and it has to do with just noticing the signs. Uh, we're all, we can all be bystanders. Uh, and in fact, different kinds of people now when there's so little opportunity to get out, you know, maybe just to a drugstore or a grocery store or something. All of us should be aware of the signs and look for someone who is pleading for help in whatever way they can. So help, when we think about help, especially in terms of violence, mo most often than not, when people say get help, they're meaning call 911. 911 may not be an option for all survivors. Again, thinking about undocumented immigrants, thinking about communities who may be at the margins, who have uh, difficult relationships with law enforcement. So that actually may not be the best option for survivors. But thinking about uh, letting survivors know that there are chat and text and help lines out there. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is probably one of the better um, ones out there for survivors because they have so many different ways for you to reach out to them and they offer a lot of great resources and support. And then what they do is once they've done the initial safety planning, then um, they will help you reach out to local programs in your area. Um, and so I think right now, especially that's a really good one. And many state and territory coalitions or um, communities have their own hotlines. And so you can also reach out to your local hotline um, for, for resources and help. That's really going to be um, your, your, the first step that survivors can take if they think it's safe for them to do so. Anyone, whether they are a student, whether they are media, whether they are the grocery store worker, is to start by believing. So when survivors come and say that they're being abused, believe them um, and, and then help them figure it out. Oftentimes, um, we hear stories from survivors, and a lot of times, especially when technology is involved, it's very unbelievable. How can that happen? Stalk aware, and, and they think they're being tracked. But it really does uh, boil down to start by believing and then letting them lead. We know that it takes between seven to nine times for a survivor to, to actually leave their uh, domestic violence uh, relationship. And so they may not leave the first or two times, but that believing should be be 
for the, the length of, of that situation. So we never stop believing, we never stop providing support. And I think that's one thing that uh, bystanders in the community can do is really rally around survivors during this time. It's also reaching out to local programs and asking how we can help. So uh, maybe it's providing uh, canned goods. Maybe it's uh, maybe they need extra volunteers on their hotline if it's safe to do so. So it's reaching out to those programs and seeing ways that we can support them as they are trying to navigate this. And then the other piece, I think, is to lean on our legislators and, and, and reach out to them and say, you know, thank you for making these, these packages. We want to make sure that people with disabilities, the LGBTQ plus community, people at the margin, survivors of domestic violence, all of those people are included when we think about, um, uh, think about uh, releasing these packages and, and making sure that they are at the forefront. When we make our legislators legislation, when we make our policies, when we make our, our procedures, when we make them with the, the least of the person. So thinking about the person who would be most um, uniquely impacted. Uh, so people who are really at the center of marginalization, when we make those things great for them, we make it great for everyone. Wow. Yeah. She put this so concisely, Bob. It's we have to start by believing. That's so powerful. Yeah, and she also made a point we made repeatedly in the first season, which is if we take care of folks in this situation, well, then we've helped everyone. So this is, there's even a selfish reason why everyone should care about people who are facing domestic violence now and all the time. This is one of the key issues with privacy, and it's one of the issues that helps us understand privacy. Yep, that's exactly right, Bob. And now we're going to play you all a quick teaser from part two of No Place to Hide, which starts releasing on Monday. Bob, I know life is hard right now, but I do believe we're all going to get through this. And I'm glad that you're my friend. I'm glad you're my friend, too. Thanks, Aaliyah. Okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Talk tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye. We're in the digital age, the information age. Data is everything. It is being collected, created, shared, processed, stored, analyzed, used in ways that two years ago, no one contemplated even in Silicon Valley. I know from speaking with my colleagues who work at every major tech company, my peers who are data scientists, that the way things are being used today weren't contemplated three years ago and where we'll be in three years from now, nobody knows. That's in part two of No Place to Hide, which starts releasing Monday of next week. If you or a loved one have experienced or are experiencing domestic violence, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. You can look at our show notes for an extensive list of resources. We will be back tomorrow. But until then, call someone you love and check in on them.